0: Welcome to the Magic Pisces Podcast. Before the ayahuasca, before the clear blue skies, and before the great awakening. Welcome back to the Magic Pisces Podcast. So I want to use this time specifically to honor the African American experience in America. And I've been... I've been silent a little bit um regarding my stand. This is a tricky place to stand. I released a couple of podcast episodes and actually two in one day and you know my 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 stand or one of the one of the I don't want to say one of the, the things I pride myself on, but one of the sort of functions that I have in this world seems to be this inherent ability to understand all sides of an issue and to particularly um at an empathic level, and I I kind of overstepped some things in this conversation. However, um, not not intentionally. I, I just I had been triggered because I had gotten a a text from a person who. Sent me a, sent me a video. This person sent me a video of a police officer basically being attacked and surrounded by protesters. The violent type of protesters. This is in Chicago, and I was really triggered by that um, because this is just a this is just a good hardworking person. And I'm sorry, but a lot of police officers are good hardworking people. Plenty of them aren't. No argument there. Um, if you get to know me even just a little bit, you will discover pretty quickly that I do in fact hate authority. And if you try to tell me what to do, we're going to have a problem. Actually, I'm the one that's going to have the problem. But but I, I kind of overstepped the plight of the African-American. I didn't just go right there. And I'm not sure what that was. I had a friend who sort of reflected to me that that was my privilege. And I think that this person was right. And then I had a call with uh, a good friend of mine who's African American. Actually, two calls—one on Monday and one on Tuesday—and I saw his experience. Now, this is an African American leader. This is a powerful African American leader. This is a a person who is related to as a general in the African American movement. And I saw the fury in his eyes, and I saw the pain. And I saw a sense of satisfaction emerging in him and and the satisfaction being related to the notion that we might just be getting somewhere in this country and that all of this destruction might actually be in service of something. Now, I'm not going to go down the roads that I could in this particular episode because again, my intention is to honor the African-American experience and to use the power or the knack I have, I guess, for storytelling to maybe have people see things in a certain way that they might not be seeing them. And I was in grad school and I needed to get some extra credits, and I signed up for a class called African-American History. This is at Colorado State University, but it was a powerful class. It was a it was one of the it was probably the best class I ever took in college. It was like HY250 or something. I can't remember. But but the teacher Blaine Harding was his name. He's an African American community leader, African American leader in the state of Colorado and, you know, probably all over the place. But but it was one of those classes that I just I I looked forward to it every week. It was twice a week. It was a Tuesday Thursday class and I just I couldn't wait to sit down and listen to this person share the story, tell the story. History is just a great big story. And he just had this amazing way of illustrating you know what happened, what has gone down in the history of the African American, right? Or what has what has gone down with the history of African Americans. And it's some crazy shit. It is some crazy shit. Because it's not all that long ago. I'm talking 400 years, right? In the in the big picture that's just that's just absolutely nothing. And these people, these African tribes people were stolen. They were stolen from Africa. Taken from Africa, brought to America. As Bob Marley says. said and they were put on these ships, packed into these ships like sardines. And, and, and they sat in their own excrement for months on end, shoulder to shoulder, head to toe, as many people as they could possibly fit inside one of these ships. Now at least 15% of these people these human beings died of dehydration of dysentery of scurvy but sometimes it was up to a third of the a third of the population of one of these ships would die and the quote unquote entrepreneurs who put together these operations knew that and so you've got Cost-benefit analyses right, put in place, right in in regards to human beings. So, hu- human beings, the lives of these human beings were seen through the lens of cost-benefit analysis, right? Now, their wrists were shackled, their legs were shackled. There's a Public Enemy song off the the 1991 album, The Apocalypse 91. The enemy strikes black, and, and there's this line, roll into my own leftover. When I roll over, I roll over on somebody else, right? And, and these ships were designed to house, house, I don't know if that's the word, but to contain as many human beings as they possibly could for this voyage across the Atlantic Ocean, Right? And at the moment that these tribes people were captured, their identity was stolen from them forever. And after several months, those who survived ended up in New Orleans or, or, or someplace, and they were sold. They were sold to wealthy plantation owners in the South, and they were... Put into lifetimes of servitude. They were enslaved. They were fucking enslaved. Subhuman bondage. The primary form of control, one of the primary forms of control, was torture by whipping. Now, you don't think too much, you don't think of too much when you think of whipping, or maybe you do, but whipping is one of the cruelest, cruelest forms of torture that could ever be. You are mutilating the flesh of the human being. So these slave masters would mutilate the flesh Of these human beings for the smallest of infractions, and very often they would rub salt into the wounds so as to make it as cruel as humanly possible. As cruel as humanly possible. They whipped them like they whipped Jesus. For what? These motherfucking rednecks. And I know in a lot of my episodes I get into the higher consciousness and we're all one and that kind of thing. But seriously, think about this shit. Think about it. Right? And still, this didn't stop. This didn't stop particular people from risking the cruelest torture that could ever be dished out from attempting to escape to, to escape to freedom, and some of them did. And some of them were aided by people who used their white privilege, the abolitionists, to support them in moving through the un- Underground Railroad and following the drinking gourd, which is the Big Dipper, would follow the drinking gourd to freedom. And people would help them along the way. Now, if they got caught, they would be inflicted with some of the cruelest torture that could ever be inflicted upon a human being. Whipped to death, burning hot coals shoved down their throats, tortured by fire while people watched on, so as to keep the mechanism of terror in place. Right? And a few years later, or eventually, I guess, a great big war gets fought. Now, I, I've, I've heard people say I got corrected by this like uppity fucking historian one time. He told me, well, it wasn't actually completely about slavery. It was more about states' rights. Yeah, it, really, dude? <laughs> it was about states, the, the people who lived in the states, and the right that they believed that they had to own human beings. That's what, what the Civil War was about. And interestingly enough, states' rights, uh, one of the big reasons the South lost the Civil War was that their railroad lines were not? They didn't. They weren't unified because because of states' rights. So I get to have whatever kind of railroad tracks I want in my state. <laughs> it's kind of funny to put yourself into that mentality. Um, anyway, not to make fun of those people or whatever. Um, or maybe to specifically, <laughs> maybe to intentionally make fun of them. I don't know. But anyway, there's this great big war fought, and more people are killed in this war, 600,000 people are killed in the Civil War, which is more than all of the other United States wars which were fought combined. And the reason that this war was fought was because one group of people thought it was their God-given right to own other people. And... The other group of people didn't necessarily think that. Now, I don't want to get into the nuances of what's going on inside the mind of you know each individual soldier and all of oh, soldier and all of that, but I think you get what I'm saying. The war ends. Abraham Lincoln prevails. The North wins, and they've got the Reconstruction ahead, and the Emancipation Proclamation is issued, and black people are technically free, except they're not, because what immediately follows are the Black Codes and the Jim Crow era. Right? So this would be referred to as they were they're de jure freedom. But there was still like de facto slavery, de facto segregation. So de facts, de facto just means it's de facts, it's the facts of the situation. The juror is like the jury, it's the law. So although they're technically free, they're not. And this is where lynching comes in. Now most people think of lynching. When most people think of lynching, they think of you know the, the black person walking home on the country road alone at night and they get caught by the rednecks and the rednecks hang them from a tree and he or she dies. But it could often be uh, much more of a spectacle. Sometimes there would be 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 people at a lynching. Sometimes the genitals of said person would be Chopped off of their bodies. Their bodies would be mutilated while men, women, and children watched on. Sometimes they would be burned to death. And this was a practice that was more or less condoned by a society that existed in the United States not that long ago. Not that long ago. lynching went up until, it was prevalent, I believe, until the 1960s. And uh, you could argue that a lynching happened like two weeks ago, right? In the United States of America. So, you know, one thing leads to another, right? A lot of uh, African Americans escaped to the West and became cowboys. Um, I imagine that's one of the only ways that they could be that they could be free was in the American West. Um, and a lot of them took part in the Great Migration. Which happened in the early 1900s Up until about the 1970s And they traveled down the Mississippi River To escape what was happening in the south um, To places like Chicago, St. Louis Chicago, Cleveland, Detroit, etc Where they faced a, a, a different type of oppression And there's an amazing book by Richard Wright Called Black Boy And it's about this kid who grows up in the South. It's his autobiography slash memoir. It's the uh, autobiography of Richard Wright and how he leaves the South and uh, travels to the South side of Chicago to, um, and he joins the Communist Party. And uh, and I'm not sure if it, I think it was pre-Black Panthers, but um, fascinating book. And I actually was, it was was an assignment in that class I mentioned, that African-American history class I mentioned. Um. So in the South, also there was still horrific shit going on. So there's lynchings in 1921. There was the Tulsa, the Tulsa riot, and basically you had a district in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that was known as the Greenwood District, and it was known as Black Wall Street. And you had a bunch of black people, a bunch of African Americans, who had created a business district and who had created a who had created um, uh, essentially a thriving African American metropolis you could argue and you could argue that this is uh one of the greatest achievements of business and cooperation um in the in the history of the united states and i can't even begin to imagine what some of the individual stories of of some of the people who took part in the successful creation of this business district but uh one day um white guy has some sort of dispute with, or black guy has some sort of dispute with white woman and the, um, the, the, the Southerners, they got into planes, they created makeshift incendiary devices, they firebombed the city, uh, 36 people died, hundreds were hospitalized, um, but... I think even more significantly is that entire business district was re- destroyed, never to be rebuilt again. And these are just people that they just wanted to do them, and people just couldn't leave them alone, right? So these are human beings, right? Fast forward to 1955, you've got Emmett Till, right? So Emmett Till was a boy from Chicago, 14-year-old black boy from Chicago. Traveled down south to visit some relatives. I think the story goes that he told one of his friends that in Chicago it was okay to look at white women, and he looked at the white woman, and he whistled, or he did something. A couple days later, he was kidnapped, and he was systematically tortured over the course of several hours, if not days. I forget exactly. Um, His body was, he was then dumped in a river. Uh, His mutilated body um, was retrieved. And there was an open casket funeral in Chicago, and this is, um, and and it was it was publicized, and and people saw this. White people saw this, and people started to wake up and go, "Wait a minute, this is messed up." Right. So this is in 1955. Right. So you know there are court cases, and there are there's uh, Plessy versus Ferguson, which I believe is the. The court case that established things uh, that established separate but equal. I think that's 1896, late late 1800s. Um, There was Brown versus Board of Education, which ruled that separating black children from white children was unconstitutional. Um, Now um, the African Americans have uh, a whole new war to fight because now they actually have to get on the buses and show up to the schools. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Being one of those children? Could you imagine being one of those black children, riding on the bus on the first day to an all-white school, pulling up to some of the deepest, darkest, meanest, and most evil hatred that could ever possibly exist? Now, back to slavery. Slavery is euphemistic, euphemistically, I believe that's the word, described as a quote-unquote peculiar institution the peculiar institution of slavery is fucking evil it's an evil institution slavery was an evil institution evil it was not peculiar peculiar is a euphemism among euphemisms it was an evil institution right and so now you've got these people that don't want these little children mixing in with their school right even though Brown versus Board of Education said that the, the black children uh, could go, um, so I guess my point in sharing this is just check in with yourself and ask yourself if you would have the type of courage that would be that 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 was required of these people. Think of the type of courage that would be required of a human being to escape from slavery, knowing what could happen. Think about the type of of courage that would be required of these little children to show up at a school where they know they're not welcome and be called the most vicious names that could ever be ever be used. Right now, we got this whole Black Lives Matter thing nowadays, right? And we got a bunch of white people uh, protesting from a place of privilege. You got me here podcasting. Uh, back then. They had the Freedom Rides, and the Freedom Rides is the white liberals would get on the bus with the black uh, with the black people, and they would go ride through the Deep South on these buses. Now that's that's some courage. I don't know if I got that kind of courage inside of me, because they knew exactly what was going to happen, what very likely could happen, right? So you know, showing up to a protest and. Helping them out, helping the African Americans out now. It's just, it's just not what it used to be. I'm podcasting from Oceanside, California. Right back then, not that long ago. Different, different story. Right, and you can just keep fast forwarding and keep fast forwarding and keep fast forwarding. But the intention of this is to illustrate the plight, the plight. You know, most white kids are introduced to black culture via hip-hop, via, like, Run DMC. And then a couple years later, it was it was NWA. And then a couple years later, it was Ice Cube. And it was that death certificate album that really... And Public Enemy, actually. right. This is how most white people started to learn about... White kids my age started to learn about black culture. And there was almost a glorification of it, you know, of the gang life. But my point being... There's a there's a, a line on the Death Certificate album album by Ice Cube. It says you broke up the family families forever until this day. Black folks can't stick together can't stick together, right? And it's odd you broke us down, made us pray, pray to his God, right? broke us down, made us pray to his God, right? Um, and uh, that was sort of like my introduction. Right, that's what piqued my interest in African American culture. And then in 1992, right, you had the Rodney King riots. And there's a fascinating and very disturbing documentary on um, the atmosphere that led to that. You know, because the, the, the whole time, right, this, 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 this slavery stuff just isn't that far in the past. And there's a conservative argument, and I get the conservative argument, and in future episodes I'll discuss the conservative argument and there are parts of it I honor, and there are parts of it that I feel to be nothing shy of heartless, and that's just um, that's that's that. Th- those are just sort of the the nuances that exist in the political in any political atmosphere. But um, this is really about like, what the fuck do you expect? What the fuck do you expect? A person's got nothing, right? And all of a sudden. <laughs> There's a there's a store full of free shoes, right? And um, and you got white people and their privilege, kind of like the abolitionists helping out black people. And when I talked to my friend, the uh, African American leader I was referencing earlier in the uh, earlier in the episode, um, he was talking about how white people, as opposed to the the 92 riots, white people aren't being targeted. Like the white the the privilege of of white people is actually being I don't want to say honored necessarily, that's not necessarily that's not the right word, but it's being relied upon. And and it's there's this sort of almost unity consciousness emerging and it's really fascinating to witness. And, you know, there's the whole Antifa thing and whatever the hell Antifa is, but there was some level of coordination and some level of sophistication in the way that as far as I know in Chicago um, things went down, and in, in the way in which the stores were looted, in the way in which the places were robbed, and it's essentially, um, you know, it's like the the Tracy Chapman song, talking about a revolution. Poor people are gonna rise up and and get what's theirs. Poor people, black black people are gonna rise up and and get their share, or however the song goes exactly, something like that. But it's it's just really. It's not an it's just this is not an easy conversation for America, you know, and I don't know about reparations and I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't know about, you know, there's there's a really, you know, the the the, the white people I know, because I know people from all walks of life. I just do. Um. But that whole like there's there's no such thing as white privilege. Like that's that's just bullshit. That's just that's just bullshit. You can't. Not be privileged and say something like that. You have to be privileged if you can say something like that. You know? And there's just this kind of subtle, subtle sort of leaking, lurking beneath the surface um, brand of, of racism that's, that I think, you know, hopefully, God willing, maybe it's being addressed once and for all. It's just a shame that, that people have to fight. That a race of people who was stolen, right, and whose identity, who uh, a race of people, um, who are the descendants of slaves who were stolen from their motherland, are still having to fight to not uh, to, to have a a level of safety and security that people like me uh, take for granted. And so I just hope that this provides something for you because there's a conservative argument that the United States is the greatest country in the world. There's like a a more liberal or far left or leftist argument that says it was founded on slavery and it was evil. And I'm not going to go that far because there were people with the proper intentions and there were forces at play for good in such Court rulings as Brown versus Board of Education, right? But that's the jur, the jur, the facts of the situation, right? Are still the facts of the situation, and the facts, of situ- the facts of the situation in America is that a black man was murdered while policemen watched. They watched it happen, and all of America saw it, and certain people responded in a way that they saw to be appropriate. So thanks for listening in. This has been the Magic Pisces Podcast. I hope that this provided something with you, for you, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.